Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Michael Brooker. That means it's a post-game podcast. Sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyTShirt.com. Make sure you support them and uh, do all you can to spend your money on your Tar Heel gear there. They've got gear for every sport. They've got gear for every team. Uh, Carolina-wise, you pull for, and they've got plenty of other things for home gating and man caves and all that. So just make sure you support them. They support us. They're great friends. And you get 10% if you're an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber. Mike, Carolina put together a game in two days after some COVID cancellations, which I've got some thoughts on that that might not be relevant to a post-game podcast. But they bring in a Northeastern team that's not bad and certainly has a very good player on their roster and do what they're supposed to do against a lesser team winning 82-62. What are your overall thoughts? I think overall thoughts were the uh, the big man play overall. You know, uh, I believe we had 45 points and 36 rebounds from the post position tonight, which is which is quite strong. I know we, we had the size advantage, but nonetheless, it was great to see that. A um, couple of guys with double doubles. I think the over, uh, the, the play from freshmen, in particular, Sharp, uh, Kessler. Uh, I think they had 25 points and 15 plus rebounds, and then also the play of Walton. Walton with some uh, knocking down shots, five of 10 from the floor. Just obviously, what a huge addition he was late in the recruiting season there. And it's just been big for us from the perimeter. And then, you know, Love with a control game didn't shoot it well. I believe Love was two for eight, but nine assists, uh, only a couple of turnovers and kind of uh, made plays for others. And so I think the overall the big man play and then the play of the freshmen in general, the, those three that I specifically mentioned, plus Love with his floor game uh, was impressive and, and, and really good to see. Yeah, Caleb Love, a quiet nine assists, two turnover night and three steals like, like you mentioned there in 30 minutes. I mean, two for eight shooting, 0 for four from three-point range, but – uh, you know, we've talked about another player on the roster. If they give you six, nine, and three every night, then you'd take it and run into the bank. Love with nine assists, certainly his best effort as a Tar Heel in that regard, building off his Duke performance. Um, you mentioned Walker Kessler. Let's go ahead and go to him first. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys, and I said it before, and a lot of people are saying it, he's going to be really, really good when he figures out his body. Still sort of the – and it's not a knock. It's all of, all us that were once lanky. It's kind of draft type deal. It takes a while to get used to that long body, but he has shown some definite skills. Tonight he goes four for eight, puts up ten, seven rebounds. What I liked about him, um, Brooke, and I want your take is his aggressiveness. I mean, he's fearless diving on the floor. He's fearless getting in traffic. Needs to get stronger but he's not shy to get in some contact. And I think just that aspect of his play tells you that he could be special one day. Definitely. You know, got in the passing lane uh, that one time and, and stretched out and went and got it and took it down and dunked it. He, he uh, obviously banked into three, which I think he's a really good shooter. And obviously he didn't intend to do that as, as Tyler mentioned uh, in the broadcast, but nonetheless knocked that down. And then, um, you know, second half, he shot the top of the uh, top of the key three, Realized it was going to be off and and and, and tracked it down uh, aggressively and 
you know, had a couple putbacks, kept it high, kept battling, and finally got the putback to fall. So he's definitely bringing a lot of energy. Uh, I think coaches are continuing to get more and more comfortable with him on the court. He brings a lot to the table and, and is just continues to appear to really get more and more, like I said, comfortable and productive and still somewhat limited minutes. I think the minutes are increasing game by game, but they're still – he's doing this, you know, 10 points and seven boards and only 12 to 14 minutes tonight. So just imagine if you continue to extrapolate those minutes out and the production you'll see as he continues to develop. Yeah, and he's – there have been games where his – He's hurt the team a few times when he's been out there, but he never doesn't hustle. I mean, he's always hustling. And you're right. He, if you can push that 12 minutes out to 24 or 30 minutes, then you're looking at, you know, and I know it's not this simple, but you're looking at all American type numbers. Um, if he can put those up in expanded role, now he's got to stay out of foul trouble when that, when that comes along. But another guy, and, and I hated to see him turn an ankle there at the end. It, you know, somebody tweeted it or said it on the inside Carolina message board. It, it, it kind of has summed up Carolina's basketball season. You got to play. They run a play. They execute it perfectly. It should be a dunk. And instead of a dunk, it ends up in a turned ankle there at the end of the first half for Daron Sharp. But, man, that guy – he continues to do it 15 and eight tonight. Uh, and he had only nine, 19 minutes. So he's another guy that um, continues to get better and better. Yeah. I, I love what I see from him. He's just, as Tyler said in the broadcast, I mean, he still doesn't quite, I don't know if he quite realizes how big and strong he is. There's times where he doesn't dunk it, but tonight, uh, I think I, I texted you during the game. That was a perfect lob play on an OB under, and he, he could have brought the house down there. But he did finish a couple with, with authority on the pick and roll on the box series play where they kind of ran a wrinkle uh, from the shuffle cut. They went with the naked side pick and roll, and he went up and finished it with um, authority. And so uh, I think as he continues to get more aggressive at the rim, he'll continue to be more efficient down there. But, yeah, 15 and 8 and 19 minutes, I mean, you can't ask for more than the – what those two freshman bigs brought tonight from an energy perspective and just from a production perspective. Yeah, and Baycott, a little bit of a funk, still had nine and eight. Uh, I want to talk about Garrison Brooks for a minute. And we've worked him over on this podcast, and the fan base has certainly worked him over. And quite frankly, in the first half of this one, um, he probably deserved to be worked over a little bit, given how he was playing. He was one for five shooting with only five rebounds, but he ends up, you know, with 11 and 13. This this is one of those things, and he's a senior, so it shouldn't ever be an issue. But I remember we used to talk about a guy like Bryce Johnson or, or, you know, for example, they don't hit their first couple shots and they give you nothing the rest of the night. It takes a lot for a player to learn how to um, give you something, give a coach, give a team something if they're not hitting shots. And Brooks started off poorly. And he still didn't shoot it well tonight. But credit him for coming back in the second half. I mean, you got to have – you got to dominate on the boards in this type game. You have to. Uh, if Carolina can't dominate this type game on the boards, they're in deeper trouble than most people realize. Speak to that aspect of what you saw from Garrison tonight. Yeah, I mean, I think he kept battling. I mean, there are times where, you know, Coach kind of – uh, push back against the body language thing early in the year, the criticism there. I still think that's a valid criticism. Uh, I, I know there's frustration 
he was obviously picked as preseason ACC player of the year, and it just hasn't quite materialized like that, although I still think he's he's been very solid, you know, for, for the majority of the year. But, you know, 13 rebounds, 11 points, even though he didn't shoot at a high clip. I mean, three for four from the line. I mean, that's still, you know, a solid effort. Double-double, double, 11 points, 13 boards, um, you know, um, and gives you pretty solid defense and just a, a solid veteran presence. So, I mean, I know we bang on him a lot and the fan base bangs on him a lot because maybe he hasn't lived up to the, you know, uh, maybe last year's production, although this year's team is much more talented and much more balanced, so he doesn't have to. But um, I think, I think generally speaking, he, he brings a good effort, and tonight with 11 and 13, you know, was needed um, to continue to push and continue to battle on the boards, even though his shot wasn't falling, you know shooting four for 13, but I think he came out second half of what, three for eight uh, and, and, and controlled the board. So that, that was good to see. Yeah. I mean, I like getting the boards because, you know, if we had a press conference with coach Williams saying, you know, he had one more rebound than Wanda <laughs> against Northeastern, <laughs> then that would not be good. There was a, uh, there was a couple of people. Well, there was a couple of people that had two more than Wanda, mm-hmm. uh, but at any rate, just looking ahead, Mike, and this is something, and I thought Tyler or maybe the other announcer made a reference to this. It's almost like you're in a NCAA tournament type situation here where you're expecting to play one team and say they lose an upset. Um, and 2021's version is they get COVID <laughs> and you got another team that comes in like tonight. And it looks like that's probably going to be um, what happens this weekend and maybe even next week for this Carolina team. How much from your former playing days and your coaching days, how much does a scouting report and having a scouting report on a team uh, matter, make a difference, um, or, or does it? Obviously, in ACC, you've played these teams before, you know them. Um, but, you know, is it that big a deal to sign up a team two days before, or is it just you just go out and play? I think, I mean, obviously it's important to a certain degree. You have to know a little bit about their personnel, but I think ultimately, and I've always talked to some of my teams and, uh, and I know the coaches watch a ton of film, but they always kind of limited us to what, how much we watched and how much we thought about the other team. And, um, but I think it's a little uh, more, you revert to your principles and the defensive principles, how to guard ball screens, how you're going to defend, you know, dribble drives and, and closing gaps and closing out the shooters, et cetera, et cetera. And I think ultimately in this scenario, you watch film a little bit, but you just have to revert and, and rely on your principles and the, and the drill work and what you do every day in practice and what you emphasize uh, and kind of hang your hat on that, uh, you know, and get as much knowledge of, of their sets and their personnel as you can in such a short time frame. But um, yeah, I think you just have to um, focus on what you do and, and how you do it and, and um, just kind of go about it that way, especially with the, the cancellations and the postponement, the postponements. And it just kind of, like you said, gets you prepared for the NCAA tournament because things can change at the drop of a hat and you could be playing somebody that you weren't expected to be playing on a very short turnaround. So re- relying on your principles, is, I think, is ultimately uh, the best way to go about it. Yeah, I mean, it, and it matters when you have a guy that can light you up like Walker could for Northeastern. I mean, it was almost like they had no idea what to expect from that guy. And then they figured it out in the second half. I mean, he's one for seven. He did make four free throws in the second half, but they they figured him out. Um, 
that's how teams that are heavily favored lose in the NCAA tournament, though. They never figure it out against a guy that's hot. I mean, you might have been on a team similar to that back in the day. If my math adds yeah. up. Oh, Arsenault. Yeah, <laughs> the show. Harold, the show, show Arsenault. But, uh, I mean, it's it's like as long as you can figure out how to contain the opponent's best guy, then you're usually pretty well off in these type games. Uh before we wrap the show, Carolina 82-62, not a ton to talk about, not a ton to gain other than some confidence for the freshmen and a win, um, quad three win, but still a win, especially in this crazy season. Let's uh, get down to the serious business. What did you think of Tyler Hansbro as an analyst? I, I, was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't know what to expect. You know, he's a really good dude and, and just – but not – and I know a lot of guys know him way better than me, but I just didn't know how he would be in this role. And um, after he settled in, you know, midway through the first half, I thought he was was added some nice insight and and uh, obviously a, a legend on the court. So to be able to bring some of the the insight from his playing days and some of the things that coach talks about in the locker room, et cetera. And I think he really, really settled in in the second half and kind of continued to improve throughout the course of the game. And I think he's got a future. Um, he's, he was definitely a, a pleasant surprise. And I can see him settling into the role even more and getting even more comfortable behind the mic and really making this a career potentially. Yeah, one thing about it, when he talks about how somebody practices or how you're supposed to practice, how you're supposed to play with effort, I mean, there's not a person on the planet that could question him on that. And the point he made, and this is something that really stuck out, the point he made about practicing basically with a purpose mm -hmm. and not just throwing the ball up there and how young guys tend to do it that way, it kind of reminded me um, of like when you see teams out there and everybody's shooting threes when, you know, only a handful are going to shoot threes during a game. Mm -hmm. But it also harked back to people talking about Caleb Love just taking – 10-foot jumpers or 10-foot set shots when he's gone out after the games and, and practiced. It's all about fundamentals, all about that stuff when you practice. I mean, you preach that as a coach, I'm sure, every mm -hmm. single day. This is not recess. This is yeah. – it's called practice for a reason. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, and, and coming from him, um, where nobody – I mean, nobody probably played harder. He, and there are probably people that maybe played as hard, but as Jay Billis always said, but he – He's obviously the guy that understands what practice for the purpose means, and his his teams that he were on, he was on, um, they did that. I also thought uh, his um, his nugget about um, Walker Kessler's haircut was pretty pretty classic and, and 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 really funny, and so I thought that was a a great addition to the broadcast that definitely showed a different side to him than most people uh, maybe have seen in the past. So that that was a nice addition and and, and pretty funny. So yeah, and, and something that was really awesome to listen to is them talk about the game and not name drop, not talk about, and much respect to other announcers. I don't want to dig on them. Certainly not want to call anybody name, but announcing sports has gotten so much about what you know as an announcer rather than about the game and the guys actually on the court. And to Tyler's credit, uh, I thought he did a you know excellent job. He's not the most talkative guy, but I thought, like you said, he settled in. He offered a, a ton of insight that not many other people can. And I think that that's why we talk to you. And that's why I talk to Dewey and other former guys we've had, because if you haven't been in the arena 
it's tough to talk about. It's easy to watch and talk about. It's tough to really dig into it. So anyway, I say that to thank you for another edition of the post-game podcast. It's always a pleasure. Carolina 82-62 over Northeastern. Who knows who they play next, folks? Yeah. have no idea. If they play Louisville this weekend, I'd be shocked. Definitely not playing BC on Tuesday. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be back with another post game. We'll be like everybody else. We'll wing it when it happens. Mike, appreciate it. Thank you. See you soon, hopefully. Yep. Everybody support Johnny T-shirt and rate us and review us and subscribe. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyT-shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a dude average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.